Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A dark future. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. In April of 2006, 17-year-old Richard Kelly, a troubled teen and a young gang member from Limerick, Ireland, went missing. Panicked, Richard's mother sought the assistance of Dennis McKenzie, a clairvoyant who does pro bono psychic reads for missing persons. When McKenzie meditated on the case, he saw a vision, Richard's body with a concrete slab beside it, next to a bridge. The words Bridget and Bodike kept appearing for McKenzie, though he didn't know what they meant. That is, until a fisherman on Lake Bridget, near Bodike, County Clare, discovered something horrifying. Tangled underneath his net was a limb, a limb attached to what he thought was a body. Sure enough, divers recovered the remains of Richard Kelly the following day. Concrete slabs and rope were found affixed to Kelly's body. Five men were arrested, the murder an act of retaliation after Kelly had stolen a car belonging to an opposing local gang. Dennis McKenzie's haunting premonitions had seemingly come true just in time to solve Kelly's homicide. Though incredibly controversial, the use of psychics, mediums, and clairvoyants to help solve criminal investigations is not entirely uncommon. It's prevalent, even. I used to work on a show a couple years ago with a CSI writer who had once been a sheriff in L.A. County. She herself admitted, someone who is a skeptic, that they used psychics when they were in a bind. Of course, the government has tested psychic capabilities for years as well. We did an episode on the Stargate Project a while back. And while skeptics, again, abound, psychics and those they've helped will swear upon certain unseen powers and abilities, helping bring heinous crimes to justice. Complicated, fascinating, and hard to explain, let's at least dig in a bit and try. Today we're talking about some cases solved, at least in major part, with the help of psychics. In 1961, a famous Dutch psychic, or psychometrist as he preferred to be called, named Gerard Croiset was enlisted by New York detectives to help locate a missing four-year-old girl named Edith Kikorius. Kreisset had been helping Northern European law enforcement catch criminals for years, simply by intuiting information from evidence. In fact, by the 60s, he was a celebrity, studied by scientists and called, quote, the man with the X-ray mind. Police would place an object from the crime scene, usually covered or wrapped up, in the psychic's hands, and he would get visions of the crime as it was committed, and often visuals of the criminal. On February 25, 1961, Kreuset began a series of transatlantic phone calls with NYPD to find Kikorius. 
Although Kreisett was invited to the U.S. to do his psychometry work in-house, he deliberately chose not to, feeling he would, quote, choke on all the impressions he would receive. So, from the Netherlands, he started his work. Despite never having been to New York or even America, Kreisett was at first clearly able to identify streets and buildings. As his work, I say work because I'm not exactly sure what else to call it, became more in tune, Kreisett's images became numbers, lines, and faces. Soon, Kreisett told officials that he had pinpointed the exact spot where the girl was. But, he was sorry to say, she had passed away. Police leapt on this information and found Kikorius's body exactly where Kreisett said it would be. Based on a description of a face Kreisett gave to officials, Kikorius's murderer was soon discovered, arrested, and committed to a hospital for the criminally insane. Meanwhile, Kreisett's gifts were continually tested throughout his life. One method for determining psychic abilities that a lot of researchers used was called the chair test. During the test, a psychic looks at a seating plan and selects a random chair number. Once the chair is selected, the psychic provides specific details about the next future individual who will sit in that selected chair. It's pretty interesting. Kreisett took this test, providing his answers on paper, which were sealed in an envelope until the chairs were filled with people. After everyone had had a seat, his writing was compared to the individual in his selected chair, and researchers were impressed. They said that Kreisett had, quote, remarkable success in providing specific and accurate details. Despite his A-pluses on his many chair tests in different countries, the Belgian Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Phenomena Reputed to be Paranormal, that's a long name with lots of clauses, also looked into Kreisett and found no evidence of him having psychic ability at all. Despite this, Kreisett died in Utrecht in 1980 at 71 years old, still incredibly successful, so much so that Gerard Jr., his son, is also a practicing psychic. On December 15, 1981, 31-year-old Melanie Uribe went missing on the way to her job at Pacoima Hospital in Burbank, California, when the dependable single mother never showed up at the hospital and investigation commenced. Witnesses questioned said they saw two men forcing their way into the truck of a woman who fit the description of Uribe while she was waiting at a stoplight. The next morning, Burbank police found Uribe's pickup truck and a discarded nurse's uniform. Uribe's disappearance became front-page news, so it was no wonder when a 32-year-old shipping clerk at Lockheed Aerospace was alerted to the case by a co-worker. Having no knowledge of Uribe aside for some light water cooler talk, Edda Smith heard a strong voice inside her head saying, She's not in the house. As soon as the thought crossed her mind, Smith had a powerful vision, a canyon and a curving road, brush, a mountainous backdrop, and a dirt path leading to something white. Despite not even considering herself a psychic, Edda Smith felt strongly that her vision was tied to Melanie Uribe's whereabouts. She left work early that day to describe her experience to the police. The police, of course, were skeptical, but nothing about Edda Smith seemed unreliable. She was an intelligent person, trusted with top security clearance. Why not hear her out? Using a map, Edda pinpointed the area where she believed Uribe's body would be found, a remote part of the San Fernando Valley called Lopez Canyon. Smith was sure she was there, even fighting off her own urges to go find her. But those urges got larger when the police didn't seem to jump on her tip. That same day, she took some family members with her to Lopez Canyon and felt the presence of Melanie Uribe there, though she couldn't find anything herself. It was dark, after all, and she didn't really know what she was feeling, just going with it, for now. In the light of day, Etta Smith and her daughter drove back to the canyon. She felt the same way she did during her first visit, but this time she knew would be different. 
This time around, Smith noticed fresh tire tracks, and her intuition pulled her further down into the canyon. As the two kept moving, Smith's daughter noticed something strange in the brush. White nursing shoes that they then found were attached to a body. It was all there. Canyon, curving road, brush, mountains, dirt path, to something white. An autopsy identified the body found by Smith's daughter as Melanie Uribe's. But Smith's assistance didn't make her a hero. No, far from it. Now she was a suspect. For several hours, Etta Smith was questioned by detectives who made her take a polygraph test. She passed it. However, the detectives told her that she had failed it, trying desperately to get answers out of the confused woman. Police thought that if she wasn't the killer, her information was coming from somewhere. They thought that maybe selling her grandiose vision story could earn her some money. The next morning, Smith was arrested for the murder of Melanie Uribe and held barefoot in a cell for 24 hours without food or water. Detectives were certain she would break and admit to the murder since they couldn't explain her visions. Meanwhile, 17-year-olds Louis Carnell Morgan and Spencer Nelson, who were driving the truck witnesses reported seeing, had been bragging about killing a woman after apprehending her vehicle. Talk gets out fast, and after their arrest, both teenagers confessed to the killing. Etta Smith was released on December 21, 1981, and following her mistreatment, won a lucrative civil lawsuit against the Los Angeles Police Department. In 1983, Illinois law enforcement publicly thanked a psychic named Greta Alexander. Quote, I was skeptical to begin with, said Alton Detective William Fitzgerald, but I guess I'm going to have to be a believer now. Once a housewife and a mother in rural Illinois, the psychic profession kind of found Greta Alexander in a big way. While pregnant with her fifth child, a bolt of lightning struck her room. Although she believed she was an intuitive person since childhood, Alexander said the lightning incident is what jump-started her psychic abilities, bringing her to her full potential. Soon, she turned her new talents into a full-fledged career. In April, Alexander was called by police to help find the body of 27-year-old Mary Cousset. Cousset was last seen with her boyfriend, Stanley Holliday Jr., who was arrested and would later confess to her murder. But the big problem with the investigation was that law enforcement couldn't find Cousset's body. Enter Greta Alexander, who gave the police 22 specific clues that police used to find Mary's skeletal remains. Fitzgerald said Alexander predicted the location of the body, its condition, and the way it would be found. He said she even predicted it would be found by a man, quote, with a bad hand, and that the initial S would be important to the discovery. On October 29, 1983, Mary Cousset's body was discovered, stabbed to death near Peoria, Illinois, by policeman Steve True, who incidentally had a deformed hand. Of course, many reports say that law enforcement didn't mention Alexander's predictions that had not come true. For example, Cousset's body had been found far from the area Alexander had initially circled. Despite her critics, she would continue her work with the police and community. She died in 1998. I am... Not a psychic myself, but I see something very important in our future, a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. We're checking in. Here we are. Checking in. We're doing With it. With you. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah. I'm feeling a little congested. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe you can hear it. I want to say I'm sorry. Doing my best. I feel optimal. Mm. <laughs> wow. Okay. Completely Got optimized. It. Got it. Good, good, good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Mm. Jason's never felt better. Yeah. And so. I'm just at a plodding along mediocre. Great. That's, you that's put us together, right. you get ghost town, baby. Woo. <laughs> we want to say hello to anyone who's listening, anyone mm-hmm. sharing the pod, spreading the word. Absolutely. Absolute <laughs> domination. Scorched earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this looks like? Yeah. Damn. And we appreciate the army. That's always. People. Always. That's how some people talk, right? Hey, the you want to see what's up to the ghost my town army, army? My army. What's up to the ghost town oh, army? That's Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. a, people do talk a lot about like worldwide, like a, a movement. <laughs> yeah, this is not that. <laughs> no, this is really more of a nap. Well, it's one movement a I can com- think of. <laughs> Ooh. Wow, wow. Uh, coming in, coming in hot. Yep. Oh, <laughs> oh God. We're a real zoo crew Put right me here. out of my misery. You know what will make you feel better? Tell me. A little politic talk let's go to the politics corner that will make me feel better we want to say hello to our mayors and as a reminder if you are in the government you could always say hey there's something i want to mention Mm -hmm. to the masses whether it's a podcast of your own uh, a charity yeah you feel strongly about you want to wish somebody a happy birthday honestly (laughs) please do that Please. I, if I knew there was other podcasts like ours that would let me be part of that and I could do that every week so I could just promote Ghost Town or mm-hmm. like a, my book or something like that, mm-hmm. I would absolutely do it. And no one takes advantage of it. You want to know why? Because they are just altruistic people yeah. that are just want to support. They're just kindly not, people who just enjoy, enjoy what they're listening to. I mean, I've been in L.A. too long. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know what to do with What's that. What's your game? <laughs> Mayors, what's your angle? But just as a reminder, that's a perk of this. And I don't know. I think it's a very valuable perk. Yeah. And it also lengthens the length of the podcast. Yeah. Which is (laughs) is great. Both appreciate. And somebody that could bend spoons with her mind. (laughs) Great. Ashley Matson. Hello. A little someone who can levitate. Mm. Charlie Gilbert. Hello. And someone who could walk through walls. Damn, that's good. And does. Of course. Cat Joselle. Hello. And I'm wearing a t-shirt that Cat <laughs> got me the <laughs> Outsiders House Museum in Tulsa. What up to them? Check them out. Damn, Cat, where's my shirt? But here's the thing, Rebecca. What's you have to be thing? an outsider. I mean, you're a globalist. A globalist? <laughs> yeah, you're oh, a globalist. Oh man, it's only for outsiders. And she was—I mean, I'm gonna because I wore the—I uh, showed the shirt on Instagram, so 
but she was there visiting the museum and Danny O'Connor, who's if you remember House of Pain, yeah. Um, and he's just a really into history, cultural history. He, the movie The Outsiders, he made. Uh, he bought the house that's in the movie, and Whoa. it's now it's a museum. It's very cool. It's in Tulsa. Definitely check it out. And he's in my first book. Uh, he's got a, a a anecdote in my my first book. Um, yeah, I have two books out. Somebody <laughs> that please, makes sense. Somebody that please get sense. one. That's, um, a, that's a gift that's germane to your interests yeah. and your work. I get it. That being said, if anyone wants to get me a gift, I'm open to that. She also wrapped it in a brand new iPad. <laughs> <laughs> she bent an iPad around the shirt. Yeah, it was just kind of like wrapped around. <laughs> wow, it. Yeah, you're like that's weird. Yeah, um, that's germane to my interests is Apple products. <laughs> and someone who can both create and destroy on a cellular level. <laughs> Holy shit! Beyond limitless <laughs> is our governor who could he could just crush life as we know it Whoa. with with one thought. But chooses not to. She doesn't want to. Avian Noble. So if you want no ads, no chit-chat, bonus episodes, you want to binge, you don't want to hear stuff like this, you just yeah. want to get to the good or bad stuff, depending, yeah. head on over to patreon.com slash pod. Incredible. Let's get back into it. And we are back. I have three more psychic investigations to share with you. We're going to keep going with a case about a woman named Maria Scott. So four years after the murder of 27-year-old Maria Scott went cold, a psychic named Debbie Malone was brought in to help. In the early 2000s, Scott lived at Triple Care Farm Youth Rehabilitation Center in the Southern Highlands. While she had previously struggled with drugs, the 27-year-old sex worker was trying to get her life on track. On March 24, 2003, she suddenly went missing. On October 30th of that year, Teenage residents found Scott's decomposing body wrapped in a quilt and dumped in the bushlands on the grounds of Triple Care Farm. She had been stabbed twice in the chest, twice in her abdomen, and once in the back. Scott's body was so badly decomposed that police set her time of death anywhere between two months and a year before she was found. Inundated with false leads, or perhaps because she was an aboriginal sex worker, low-priority victims historically, in the hierarchy of investigations, the case went cold. For four and a half years, Scott's frustrated friends and family hoped justice would be served. But the investigation took a turn when Debbie Malone stepped in. According to the Daily Telegraph, Malone had caught the attention of Detective Jeffrey Little, one of the investigators put on Scott's case, when he watched her appearance on the psychic investigation television show, Sensing Murder. Little gave Malone a bangle that had been found on Scott's body. Holding the object, Malone gave details about the location of the murder and kept seeing a drain pipe. Inspecting the drain pipes around Triple Care Farm, authorities found a knife, one that was eventually proven to be the weapon that took Scott's life. Malone also told detectives that she could feel the spirit of the killer inside her. She said the killer themselves were dead, because only ghosts embodied her in that way. This revelation confirmed authorities' suspicions that Mark Brown, a neighbor of Triple Care Farm with a violent past, had been the killer, since he had died by suicide four years before. Quote, her description of what happened was so close to what we had found, I included it in the coroner's brief. I don't know whether he took any notice of it, but she was brilliant. She told us how the body was positioned in the bush, where it was found, and what Maria was wearing, Little said, via the Daily Telegraph, adding, What we hadn't told her was the key suspect had actually died by suicide. I was extremely skeptical at first, but then I couldn't explain how she knew these things, when all we gave her was a bangle. 
On August 11, 2005, 20-year-old Ohio State College student Julie Popovich pre-gamed at a friend's apartment and headed out to the university district with some friends to continue their evening. Popovich, a waitress and sometimes model, met a man named Adam Soleil at one of the bars. Witnesses at the bar testified that Popovich was drunk and dancing. She was last seen about 1.15 a.m., leaving with Soleil. Though Soleil insisted he left alone, Popovich was reported missing the next day. Soleil was eventually arrested and convicted, and yet, Popovich's body was never found. Three weeks after she went missing, a Michigan-based psychic named Christy Robinette was randomly visited by a soul of a young woman from Ohio. Confused, Robinette found out Julie was in dire straits. According to the psychic, quote, Julie pushed her way through the other spirits waiting to speak with me and asked me to draw a map, the map of where her body would be found. Police carried out the operation as directed by Robinette and were immediately led to Popovich's corpse. Popovich's murderer, Adam Soleil, received 38 years to life in prison by the Franklin County Courts. Of course, lots of government entities have tried to harness these innate psychic abilities and have failed. In the 70s, the CIA and DIA were obsessed with having a leg up on Soviet technologies, which included psychics and remote viewing capabilities. Various programs throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s, like Stargate, it's itself the basis of the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats, and a past topic of a Ghost Town episode, were approved and heavily funded. Accordingly, in the 1979 study, Evaluation of the Use of Psychics in the Investigation of Major Crimes, 12 psychics were essentially put through the ringer. They were each given four crimes, two solved and two unsolved. Physical evidence from each of the four crimes were placed in sealed, numbered envelopes. Each psychic was asked to provide information about the contents of the sealed envelopes and any other information that kind of came to them. Then the psychics opened the envelopes, examined the evidence, and gave more information. None of the psychics, of course, had any knowledge of the cases detailed in those envelopes. Although this experiment is very cool, in my opinion, it was found inconclusive. Quote, The research does not support the contention that psychics can provide significant additional information leading to the solution of major crimes. But if you're interested, as I was, the area of greatest accuracy involved the sex of the suspect and that of the victim. Some degree of accuracy was also detected in the type of crime committed. But let's get back to David McKenzie, the psychic from the beginning of our episode. McKenzie was put on the Soham murders, a hugely high-profile case of two girls missing in Soham, England. On August 4, 2002, 10-year-old Jessica Chapman went to a barbecue at the home of her best friend Holly Wells in nearby Red House Gardens close to Soham. The girls played at Holly's and for fun, took a photograph together wearing Holly and her brother's Manchester United replica football shirts. That was around 5.04 p.m. Around 6.15, they left to buy some candy from a vending machine at a local sports center. While returning to Holly's, the girls walked past the home of Ian Huntley, the groundskeeper at their middle school. Huntley told the girls that his girlfriend, their teacher, was there and that she said hello. And then the girls are never seen again. At 8 p.m. that night, the girls are not back at Holly's or Jessica's homes. They're reported missing at around 10 p.m. that night. The disappearance hits newsstands the next day, and it is again a huge case from the get-go. Over 400 officers were assigned full-time to search for the girls, scouring Soham and investigating the many sightings residents had had of them all over the city, even questioning over 250 registered sex offenders across the U.K., The photo of the two girls in the football shirts are broadcast everywhere. It is a haunting photo taken just two hours before they disappeared. Weeks go by and there are no leads, so the authorities call in David McKenzie. 
Mackenzie says he will help, and he does, but he tells UK police that he has bad news. He says that the girls were dead and that a man and a woman, whom he was able to describe to law enforcement in great detail, were involved. Quote, I described the caretaker, Ian Huntley, who would be convicted of the murders, and his girlfriend, Maxine Carr, he says. I also described the view from Huntley's house, his red fiesta, the Fenland road he drove along to dispose of the bodies, and the site where he dumped them. On August 17th, 13 days after they go missing, the bodies of Jessica Chapman and Holly Wells are found lying side by side in a ditch, more than 10 miles east of Soham. Ian Huntley, the guy who last saw the girls, is also participating in the investigation, searching with people and asking police way too many questions. He's been questioned with his girlfriend, but both have witness statements and valid alibis. But others witnessed Huntley's girlfriend, Carr, in a different place than her alibi, and their stories quickly crumble. That same day, Ian Huntley and his girlfriend, Maxine Carr, are arrested. Huntley then refuses to answer questions, feigns confusion, even drools in an attempt to seem mentally ill. So he's sent to a hospital. Carr, on the other hand, has a different approach and admits that she lied in her alibi statement to support her boyfriend. But then they find Huntley's fingerprints on some of the children's clothes in a trash can found later that day, and Huntley's fate is sealed. Huntley was found guilty on two counts of murder and sentenced to a minimum of 40 years. Carr pleaded guilty to the charge of perverting the course of justice and was found not guilty of assisting an offender. Carr was sentenced to serve three and a half years in prison for perverting the course of justice. Dennis McKenzie wrote a book about his work and does not charge for his services. In fact, a lot of these psychics that we talked about today, they charge 40, 50 bucks or not at all, and certainly not at all when they are involved in helping investigations. In McKenzie's own words, he says, quote, I'm just an ordinary bloke and I hope I'm doing some good with the gift I've been given. For me, it's all about putting myself at the service of others. I truly believe that helping people is, in itself, its own reward. Skeptics abound, of course, and yet we continue to use these special people, mechanisms, however you want to call them, in our search for answers. I think it's great that it's pro bono work mm-hmm. um, and that he has a book. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, come on. I, you, I knew when I was writing this this episode, I was like, Jason is going to hate this. <laughs> I mean, I love this subject. Sure. In fact, just I mean, just in the last like week or two, I was like really looking into hot readings and cold readings. Mm-hmm. We know we've seen from evangelists to psychics and how people get and find information. If you say guess a number from one to ten. And you give me eight tries, mm-hmm. might get it right. Yeah. Right? And then you're like, wow. <laughs> and then also, a lot of these things is people will get things right. And the things that did not get right don't mm-hmm. end up in like a broadcast. Yeah, a lot of, of course. These exactly. Famous psychics. And I believe that there's people out there that know that they're being deceptive. They know it. They're going yeah. into it being deceptive. I think there's other people that may start going into it and being like, I do really feel... I have something, mm-hmm. and then become deceptive because it becomes their their thing. It's their becomes shtick. their thing. Yeah, and then I think there are people that truly believe that they are, and they're being honest with what they think. Mm-hmm. What is actually happening is the skeptic in me, <laughs> uh, and obviously, but people become very desperate in a lot of ways. Everyone's looking for answers. Totally, it's, it's whether you're, you're praying to a, a god or like you're wishing on nature or putting a penny in a fountain. It's all part of that. And interesting, like in the last maybe like seven days, 
I said I was going to mention this on Ghost Town. Actually, <laughs> this is like the perfect episode to do it. Ooh. I have a friend that you go back many years back in New York. He's a huge music person. He's got like a record store and he sells right. He's like an, um, he's just somebody I talk to about music and I'll bring up a band and be like, what do you think about them now? Let's mm-hmm. go, go back. Like now that you've had uh, the internet and time mm-hmm. and, and you, did it, does it still hold up? And I'll do that every once in a while, like every, once every two months. Uh-huh. And for some reason, a band will pop into my head and I'm like, what do you think of that? So I texted him which uh-huh. again we don't text that much it's not like i do it every day where it, it could eventually i'm gonna pick things that he's listening to but i was like what do you think now of neutral milk hotel right yeah so i picked that just out of just you know i go in these things I was like yeah like let me, let me look back on them mm-hmm. and he's like that's so weird i'm listening to them right now that's why he's like that's he's like that's so weird and i was mm-hmm. like i'm a psychic and i'm gonna tell people on ghost town <laughs> i'm a psychic Again, that is a re- that is it's a qu- I mean, what a coincidence! It's a huge, you know, huge, 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 huge. Now, again, it's not outside of the purview of the kind of music we listen to. It's not like I picked like something that I would have never brought up before, and it's something that I would never think to ask somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's still within that world, but it's one of a, a few, th- maybe thousands of bands or yeah, whatever. Totally. And I thought that was kind of odd and i didn't have a weird feeling about it i was just like this is what i want to ask him about i knew he'd have an answer whether he was listening to them or not mm-hmm. but i thought it was just like a really odd coincidence in the many odd coincidences or, or strange happenings i've had yeah even as a cynic like i push away from i've had no weird things and I've, you have you have more weird things than uh, i think you care uh, to admit right. as a skeptic i i believe that people are connected in a lot of different mm. ways and energy i don't Again, I think a lot of psychics are fucking selling yeah. you a bill of go- goods, and I've certainly and people been have sold. premonitions, and yeah. I think those are real. There's something out there that's not exactly science or yeah. Facts there's and- something that connects us. Sure. Humans are connected somehow that in a way that we can't quantify yet. Maybe we will someday. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But I think that there is some kind of connective tissue, this fiber that we don't see, and the way that's expressed is different. And that's kind of like why we can't like scientifically process people when people have like a crazy vision and they're like because if i had a vision that you were gonna fucking die in a car crash tomorrow i would be like i need to say this thing because if i don't say this thing but if it happened like then i knew this thing of course like we're all kind of like pushed to to help and to support and to like be involved and i think there's a lot of like altruism and like pure of heart kind of ideology around that but then it gets into this sort of thing where it's like okay once that builds and builds, is it now your main line of work? Are you now profiting from it? And I, I yeah, I want to say that like a lot of these people don't make money off of the stuff that they do for these cold cases and when they're involved in investigations. So that's a good thing, I think. And I think it brings a lot of comfort to the victims' families, if I'm sure. being super honest. People do like to be involved, though. They absolutely do. People do like to be part of things it's yeah it's altruism but it's not totally i think people like to insert them people like to but also people like to help you know yeah oh yeah like you know you feel good about feeling useful there is something to that i I understand that human as well absolutely a lot but also there is a equity in a lot of things like yeah i do all this stuff for you know uh, lawyers do pro bono work on huge cases Mm -hmm. in small cases for free all the time Mm -hmm. and there's a benefit to that totally uh, there's know, some so, optics to that absolutely uh, sure absolutely well, wait, wait, wait let's get back to the the point and the point is when you psychically connected to your friend yes what did he say about neutral monk hotel oh he says at least that second album still holds up 
and Jeff Magnum lives near where he lives, close to where I live in, used to live in New York. Oh. So he, he's like, he's like, he's kind of a weirdo, but a nice guy, uh, you know, just kind of looking back with, if they made another album with that, it he always, people always wonder like, what would that third album be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but is it part of the lore of the fact that it's just a huge question mark? This band that was like, had this really huge album, maybe not even so much then, but but definitely now it's like you look back on it, it's probably on every single music you must yeah. album you must, in the airplane over the sea, yeah. which is a great, it's incredible. It's, I'll tell you another interesting thing about that. Yeah, yeah, when that came out, I was kind of like not, I was just a very whatever was going on with me, I was just like very pushed, like I was just like I pushed that kind of stuff away mm-hmm. because I thought it was people trying to be cool like, that was my stupid hang well, it's in the vernacular of like yeah. you know post-punk kind of indie mm-hmm. whiny like I, I get that and it took probably to like that um, came out like 1998 and i was like yeah, yeah i heard it whatever it in probably like 2007 or 2008 a girl i was dating at the time who i don't looking back i was like i didn't really think she liked didn't really seem to like that kind of music really like neutral milk hotel at least that album mm-hmm. and put it on i was like oh yeah this is really good but yeah i just for some reason i was thinking about them and i was like hey tell me what you know let's go back and tell me what you think about this now having the benefit of, of kind of time elapsing is it does it hold up does it not hold up is it as important as everyone makes it out to be but he was like that was really weird that you uh brought that up and i said um I'm just an outsider wearing an outsider's T-shirt. Who published two books. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.